This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined this week by sports correspondent, Lim Se Hang. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Well, he sounds soft-spoken, but this week he's here to talk about one of the most violent events of the weekend. Sunday morning at Singapore time, UFC 229 happened. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the eagle, versus the notorious Conor McGregor uh, happened, and it ended in the fourth round. This was continuing Khabib's uh, unbeaten run. But then he leapt from the top of the octagon and jumped at McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach, Dylan Dennis. Well, there's so much to unpack from this. Sayang, what is your take? I think Khabib certainly spoiled what is supposed to be one of his crowning moments in his MMA career. You know, going up and beating McGregor convincingly. Uh, and he just had to spoil it by, you know, leaping out of the octagon WWE style and, you know, attacking everyone. And you know, his teammates coming into the octagon and bashing up corner. It's... Probably one of the most ugly, shameful, embarrassing moments. Well, it's not just uh, bad for Khabib. It's also bad for UFC as a whole, right? Because UFC has come a long way in getting, I wouldn't say gentrified, Mm -hmm. but certainly legitimized. Mm -hmm. But is this going to knock the sport back? I certainly feel so. And even UFC chief Dana White said in the post uh, about media conference that, you know, this probably has set the spot back a few years. I mean, he has been there for practically two decades trying to clean up the sport from it being a blood sport to, you know, it being one of the fastest growing sports uh, in the world right now, uh, even more so among younger people. Mm. But the spectacle descending into a melee, it just brings back memories from maybe 18, 20 years ago of it being an uncontrolled cage fight. No. This fight has not gone without controversy in its build-up as well. I mean, McGregor attacked Khabib's bus in Brooklyn uh, earlier this year. Now, he wasn't penalised by UFC. So is it that UFC has, has basically uh, set this up to happen in some way by their complacency? Well, some media reports have certainly pointed in that direction. You know, um, as soon as uh, McGregor was cleared of his legal issues, UFC immediately booked this fight with Khabib and even used footage of the Brooklyn incident in the lead-up to the fight. So, in a sense, you know, UFC is is sort of sending a message that, you know, whatever publicity is, is good publicity. And uh, it... Well, it certainly worked. I mean, you, you can't deny that, you know, the, the hype for this match was big. Yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, certainly no love lost between the uh, participants leading up to it. I mean, McGregor is definitely one of the cash cows for UFC. And it's not hard to to see why, because four of the five highest grossing uh, pay-per-view events mm. had McGregor headlining it. And that's excluding last Sunday's fight. And even then, just days before the fight itself... Um, UFC were expecting 17 million US dollars in gate receipts as well as you know 2 million dollars guaranteed prize money for Khabib and 3 for McGregor so whenever McGregor is penciled in for an event it's sure to be a money maker good publicity bad publicity he draws in the crowd he draws in the money now it wasn't an unprovoked attack 
uh, by Khabib. Um, Joe Rogan, who you may remember him from uh, Fear Factor. Anyway, Joe Rogan has uh, said that uh, we couldn't hear what he said, but Dylan absolutely was insulting Khabib and saying something to him and provoking him. Well, he certainly wasn't the only one. Connor was doing it way before the the fight, you know, calling out Khabib's father, his country, his religion, even offering Khabib a shot of whiskey. So that probably set the tone for the fight. What's your view on McGregor? I, I think that a lot of people follow him, not just for what he's good for inside the cage, but also his, his trash talking. It is certainly very entertaining and some people even you know, turn up in droves just to see how he mouths off during pre-bout media conferences. But what, what I do feel is that he has he has gone overboard this time in going too personal uh, with Khabib, you know, taunting his religion, taunting his parents. But Khabib definitely was in the wrong as well. Uh, he could have taken the victory, kept his unbeaten record and came out the winner. Instead, he risks being banned strip of his belt or even harsher action by UFC and I feel that perhaps UFC are at a crossroads now. So what do you feel UFC should do? Well, that's that's up to UFC to decide because at one on one hand this kind of con- controversy especially involving McGregor, they are the crowd puller. They they rack up the hits online, they draw in the crowds in physical venues as well. Uh they certainly help raking the money. Sure, but there's one thing attacking someone in the ring. If you're attacking them out, way outside the ring, not even during the match, surely that's just as bad. And if you're not going to penalise them for it, then you're just sending a signal that, sure, just do whatever you want. But I feel that UFC feels that it has to be careful on how it deals with, especially McGregor, because at the moment, he's their biggest cash cow and you know any form of punishment might lead him to just walk away from UFC to maybe boxing or even other promotions. Well, it's not done so well in the boxing. But. Well, it's, it's not... A, I, I feel that it's not really a matter of what he does in the ring for UFC, but what he does also is it, like a 50-50 thing. But surely they, they can't be beholden to what if Conor goes away. They've got to understand, you know, that one man can't be bigger than the sport. But... To, to UFC right now, you know, you don't sacrifice your, your biggest cash cow without thinking twice or thrice. I think right now, with the relative lack of superstars like McGregor, UFC are in a bind um, unless, you know, other stars like John Jones, Georges, St. Pierre come and supplant McGregor as the top dog in UFC, the top crowd and money pooler mm. then UFC might be bolder in taking harsher action against him and that's where we'll leave one Royal Rumble as we go to another one that has had just as much acrimony just as much bitterness but well as far as I know not a UFC level of violence involved in it Singapore Athletics has had quite a tumultuous couple of years uh, and we have new elections coming up which are hopefully for many uh, going to bring a new era. Uh, Say, Hank, what is actually the deal with this? Actually, it goes beyond the last few years. My colleague Sazali wrote a two-part feature l- just last weekend and it detailed probably two, three decades of conflict within the community, not just between you know management committee members, but 
between management committee members and athletes or between athletes and coaches. It's, it's a real Royal Rumble going on. Um, but the last two years have been particularly a low for Singapore athletics in that um, there was infighting among the management of the association. Mm-hmm. There were athletes and coaches lobbing bombs figuratively at the association. Accusations made fingers pointed against, you know, one another. And it has translated into non-results at SEA Games, at Asian Games, uh, and let's not even talk about Olympics. So this was under the presidency of Ho Meng Chong? Yep, that's right. He's going to step down this Thursday at the annual general meeting where the new management committee will be elected. Now, is, is it just him stepping out? Or is, is this like a, a completely clean sweep of the management committee? Or? Well, as far as I know, the entire management committee is stepping down with a new team uh, coming on board. Um, the new the, 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 the elections will be for nine elected members as opposed to 26 previously. And as of the end of nominations last week, there was practically just one team and one independent fighting for uh, nine places in the MC. Who is the frontrunner in this particular race? Well, the, 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 interesting about, the interesting thing about these elections is that um, unlike previous elections whereby the you gun for one position, either you gun for president or honorary secretary, now you you try to get in as an MC member and then among the MC members, you decide what post um, you should be in. So um, That sounds ac- quite complicated. Yeah, so it's the first among peers in the new... Right. Um, but certainly there, there are a few notable faces, the chief of which would be the president-to-be, uh, Tang Wengfei. He's a former national hurdler and he has been president on two previous occasions. So he definitely has knowledge of the sport and he definitely knows the problems on the ground um, and probably contacts on how to solve them. Another familiar face to Singapore f- sports fans would be former swimmer Am Peng Siong who is also part of uh, Wing Face team as well. Hmm. Okay, so what outcomes are, the, are being hoped for this? I mean, apart from you know a, a new wonderful dawn for Singapore athletics, well, specifically what is it? I mean, is it more a more athlete-focused management committee? For? I think first of all, athletes or even the athletics uh, fraternity here will be hoping that at least the management committee would not be fighting among themselves. The present committee, um, the situation with the, the current committee got so bad that, uh, well, Manchong almost called for a snap election last year before he was advised not to by our International Olympic Committee member Ng Se Myung, who is well-respected in the Singapore sports scene. So that would be the first mm-hmm. step towards uh, healing any rift in the Singapore athletics scene. And um, Wing Fei certainly has shown from previous stints as um, the, the head of the local athletics scene that, you know, he does have empathy um, for athletes and he does show a firm hand 
when he needs to. And those two traits would be crucial as um, he and his team tries to fix things in the Singapore athletics scene, which definitely, it, it wouldn't be an easy job and it certainly would take more than the two-year term that he will be elected into. But this first two years would be crucial. So what really needs to be done to fix Singapore athletics? Can't just be the management committee stops infighting. There have to be bigger goals than that. What mm-hmm. needs to be done? Well, there, there certainly is talent in, in the local system, but perhaps, as my colleague uh, Sazadi have written, some of the, the budding talent has been put off by the fighting in the fraternity and chooses not to continue beyond school sports. Sports in, well, athletics at the school level is very vibrant. But what happens beyond that? Is there support for athletes, uh, both in the physical sense, in terms of training grants, in terms of proper training plans, proper pathways for these athletes to go to beyond just school? And also, I mean, if I, even if I'm a, a talented athlete and I see, you know, it's just a lot of fighting within the fraternity, I wouldn't want to be part of that. And are there any names that you think are going to directly benefit from this? Well, one name who will certainly benefit would be sprinter Shanti Pereira. She won a gold medal at the 2015 SEA Games on home ground, but... Uh, she didn't manage to defend her title in the last edition in Kuala Lumpur last year. Um, and, you know, in the lead-up to that SEA Games, she and her coach, Margaret Oh, and they they were in conflict with the management as well. And, you know, after her race in Kuala Lumpur, Shanti was in tears. Mm. And this is one athlete who was previously aiming after the 2015 SEA Games to go to the Asian level to right. probably make the final in at the Asian Games level. So, okay, sorry. So how does the infighting affect the athlete's performance? So I think in Shanti's case, um, it was a matter of um, which overseas meet they should, she should go to before the, right. the SEA Games. Okay. And there was you know, one school of thought that she should go for a certain overseas meet and then, you know, her coach thinks otherwise and it has created a t- tension which has mentally affected her. And an- another athlete who could possibly benefit from a good structure at Singapore Athletics would be marathoner Sori Yong. He has won the Marathon Sea Games title two editions in a row and he's gunning towards Tokyo 2020 qualification. And you know, any whenever you have good structure in Singapore sports, proper pathway, proper development programs, proper funding, athletes benefit. Just look at swimming, for example. So hopefully a new dawn of athletic greatness for Singapore is on the horizon? It would be easy. You won't. You probably won't see the effects after just two years or even four years. But I suppose these elections will be a first step. Um, and everyone in the fraternity from athletes to officials to coaches they need to realize that you know this is probably the lowest that we can sink to either we stay at this level or everyone just put their egos aside and work together even if they have differences they would need to 
solve it in a calmer manner than what was happening well, before. If there's a theme for today's podcast, is why can't we all get along? <laughs> well, thanks for joining me, Sehan. Thank you. And join us again for another Game of Two Halves next time. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstance.com and bt.sg.